Hi everyone, this is Brant Van Rokel, lead pastor of Christ City Kitsilano, and I want to let you know about a couple of things. First, if you're not a part of a local church, let me invite you to join us at 5th Avenue Cinema on Burrard Street at 9.30 a.m. We meet every Sunday morning for worship, word, and sacrament, and we'd love for you to join us there. Second, if you are new and you want to get connected, let me say welcome. Christ City Church Kitsilano is a neighborhood church committed to making missional disciples for the sake of the neighborhood. If you want to hear more about what God has called us to here in Kitsilano, then please reach out to me at brant at christcitychurch.ca or you can visit christcitychurch.ca slash Kitsilano. The scripture reading today is taken from Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 to 28. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heaven, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heaven, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, in our three-part series, uh, we've looked at a lot of this text. We're going to look at it some more um, now today in the last sermon in our series, The Goodness of Being Human. And uh, I hope it's been enough time for you to even memorize this passage. Maybe it's going to happen whether you like it or not because it's being read so often. We're going to read it a couple more times this morning as well. Um, but anyway, as we come to this passage, I just want to invite uh, you to, to pray together with me as we turn to the Lord for his help, as we turn now to his word. Lord, we come to you and we come in the name of Jesus and we come, Lord, in the power of your Holy Spirit, confident that you are a God who is active, who is alive and who is working right now here through your word. And Lord, we just pray, would you work powerfully by your Holy Spirit to change us, to, to open our eyes to see your beauty and your goodness, your kindness to us as your creatures. Lord, to give us an appetite and, and a, a hopefulness and the joy of what you made us for. Lord, to open our imaginations and our hearts to see your love for us and the possibilities of what it would mean to serve you in our own neighborhood. God, I, I pray that for those that are not yet even Christians here this morning, but are curious um, about you, Lord, that they would come by your Holy Spirit to have faith in Jesus as we look at your word this morning. We ask this in his name. Amen. Well, Christ City, uh, we are a people who love freedom. We are people in this world who love freedom. And by freedom, we usually mean freedom from different things, right? I love to be free from the things that inhibit and stop me from being who I am. Our culture loves this idea of, of freedom from. Uh, what we mean by freedom from um, can be expressed uh, by freedom of autonomy. And autonomy is an interesting word. It's it's uh, autonomous. It's two words. It's, it's auto in Greek, which is self, and nomos in Greek, which is law. So we love self-law. 
We love freedom to govern our lives for ourselves and by ourselves the way that we would like to. So we have freedom from anything that inhibits us from living the way that we would like to. There's a, a famous poem. I've quoted it before here at the church, um, but the iconic words of that poem which describe this freedom that we love, freedom from anything telling me how to live versus what I want to do, the, the poem by uh, Invictus by Ernest Henley. And he says, um, I am the captain of my fate. I am uh, the master of my soul. See, we fight in our society all forms of slavery that would keep us from living fully into this kind of freedom. Freedom for, for autonomy, freedom for self-rule. We want freedom to be independent. And what's interesting to me as we think about this cultural view of freedom, the freedom from the things that keep me from living how I would like to, is that actually in the Bible, God himself is for freedom. Jesus is passionate about freedom. And in fact, Jesus himself once said about himself in John 8, 36, if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. You'll have the best kind of freedom, the fullest kind of freedom, the freedom that I desire for you as my creatures. And the apostle Paul, knowing this and knowing the work of Jesus Christ, he could say in Galatians chapter five, verse one, that it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. It's kind of like, you know, what is he getting at? He's saying the same thing on both ends of that statement, but it's all about freedom. He wants freedom for us. But what's interesting, the more we dive into the Bible is we start to realize, oh, the freedom that my culture describes, freedom from, freedom for autonomy, freedom from things that inhibit me from living my life the way I want to live, and the Bible's view of freedom, that they're different. There's a difference between them. A difference so profound that Paul could both say it is for freedom that Christ has set you free and also I am a slave of Christ. And also in Romans chapter 6 verse 18 that we've been set free from sin and have become slaves of righteousness. Isn't that interesting? Freedom, both held as a good. One by our culture, one in the Bible. And they're different. What, what is the difference? And, and what is best? Which kind of freedom is the best kind of freedom? Well, in our last sermon now on the goodness of being human, I want to talk with you about these things from the Bible and show you the, the glorious freedom that we were made for. We're going to look at the goodness of being free as our last goodness of being human sermon. And we're going to consider three points as we look through these things in Scripture. We're going to see the freedom that God made us for. That's going to be point number one. Point number two, we'll look at the slavery that we suffer under. And then point number three, we'll look at the freedom that is in Jesus Christ. All right, three points, the freedom we were made for, the slavery we suffer under, and the liberation or the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. So we'll get into this and we're going to unpack these ideas of freedom a little further and we'll start right away with our first point, the freedom we were made for. And again, because we want to memorize it, we're going to read Genesis 1, 26 to 28. And then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness 
And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So who are we? We've been learning in this series that we are the creatures made by God in his image and likeness. And that we've been made in his image and and likeness as male and female for a purpose, for the purpose of, of dominion, for the purpose of living like God's kings and God's priests on the earth, such that everywhere we go and we fill up this earth, we extend God's rule and his authority and his goodness and his presence so that as humanity increases, the good rule and love and awesome character of God will be seen and lived out where we are. And to exercise this glorious dominion that we've been learning about, we were made as free persons. We're made as free persons. I don't know if you've thought about this very much, but, but God is creator we are his creatures. That means that we're, we're separate persons from God. He made us to be separate persons by, by his choice so that we would have meaningful choice. So we would be able to exercise in this world creativity as his creatures. That we would have the opportunity to investigate this world and live in this world to learn and to build and to do the things that he has called us to do as his creatures. This is what we are. And and all this freedom he's given to us is for a purpose, a purpose so that we would go out into God's world and creatively and innovatively do what is good as we expand our dominion. Isn't that interesting? Made with this choice, set free in the world, and God's like, go, (laughs) go out and increase dominion. Exercise the freedom and the choice that I've given you to exercise this good dominion. And it's at this point, though, that there is a striking contrast between the Bible and our culture. Because the freedom the Bible says that we were made for is not freedom from God's rules and God's order. It's actually freedom to exercise our choices in relationship with God and his order so that we would build and create what is good. You see the difference? Not freedom from God's order but freedom to live within God's order and to accomplish the good purpose he made us for. To go out into this incredible thing, expanding dominion and filling up this earth with his presence. So there's two different freedoms. On the one hand, we have freedom from things that restrict our autonomy. We'll call that freedom from. That's freedom from. And on the other hand, we have this other freedom. We're going to call it freedom for. That's the freedom to do the good that God created us for. Is this complicated? Yes. We'll have an illustration and we're going to help you here. All right, but keep in mind, freedom from, right? Freedom from order, freedom to do as, as I want, my autonomous self-rule, or freedom for, on the other hand. Freedom for living according to the purpose God made us for. Two different things, freedom from, freedom for. So here's the illustration. On the one hand, we can imagine freedom from, freedom from order, like a would-be musician. Someone who takes up the piano, for example, 
Um, but but doesn't take up the piano to be disciplined by technique and by rhythm and by meter and by the order of harmony and, and notes and, and the beauty of, of, of keys together. Maybe even not to be disciplined by the freedom of having a tuned piano, but just to be free to do whatever they would like to be. I don't want to have any order governing my life. I'm going to actually just be free to be me at the piano. Is this going to result in, in beautiful and good music? No. No, it's not going to. It's going to result in the kind of music that hurts your ears. Right? The kind of music that you're like, yeah, please stop. Um, there is a, I can't tell stories. I won't tell a story. I was going to tell a, an illustration about my son, and I thought, I haven't asked his permission. I shouldn't do that. I'm going to move on. <laughs> But the result of that kind of exercise is, is chaos, it's noise, it's disharmony. But imagine, on the other hand, Freedom 4. And Freedom 4 is like the musician who, in love with the joy of music, gives themselves to their work, to the study of the masters, to the study of history, to working on their technique for hours every day, to, to delighting in the mathematics of the way that frequencies work together and are beautiful. And the study of all the, the different ways that music works in this world and giving themselves to master their own instrument. And as a result, when this person walks up to a piano, they are free. They're free. Have you seen those, those videos of, of the person who walks up to the piano in the mall or outside? And someone takes a video because it's just so incredible as this person who is free who's been mastered by this order and in love for this order can walk up and create something beautiful. Give them a couple of notes, just a couple of ideas, and they'll create something unreal, right? If the band plays along over here and it's jazz, no problem. I'm free. I can play with that. If there's a classical piece, no problem. I can join along and I can improvise. And they're free in a way that the person who wants to be free from the rules and the order of music is not. Do you see the difference? Is that helpful? Freedom from, freedom from order and from design, it leads to chaos and disharmony, but freedom for, to be mastered by the rules and the order of music or of God's creative world leads to something beautiful and to a true freedom that can express itself creatively. The difference is in freedom. See, in a similar way, God's purpose for us wasn't that we would be free from his order, but that we'd be so mastered by his order in rich relationship of love with him that we'd truly be free to create, to do what is good, to expand the order and the dominion of God outwards into this world in ways that truly lead to what is good and what is beautiful and what is true. We've talked about this a lot in this series, um, how God's purpose for our dominion was so that we'd have healthy families and healthy communities and build healthy cities. So that we'd be free so that the poor and the vulnerable would be cared for, where those who have plenty would use it for the good and the blessing of their neighbors. So we'd be truly free where human creativity is aimed at the common good and is an expression of worship to God. So that art is made and music is made and beauty is made and culture is created in this beautiful way as architecture and culture and art are elevated and transcendent because they are all exercised according to order in worship and relationship to the glory of God. You know, um, this 
kind of freedom results in flourishing life for everyone. Uh, Van Dusen, as I've said before, they have a slogan, and it says, where life flourishes, where life flourishes, this, this ordered creativity that looks beautiful and is, and is good. And this is the order that we were created for, that our dominion would go out into the world this way. See, we were made with meaningful choice and creativity to live into this kind of an order in relationship with God. We're made to do what is good in submission to God. But there's a problem, isn't there? Because <laughs> it's not worked out that way. We've already looked many times at the way that the dominion that we have through sin has been exercised and, and has brought corruption and suffering. And the reason that happened that way is because when Adam and Eve were given a choice of, of freedom for, in obedience with God according to his order, or freedom for autonomy, freedom from his rule to, to live according to their own rule, they chose the latter. And in choosing disobedience to God, they plunged humanity into slavery. It's the Bible's language. Not freedom, but slavery. It's very interesting. We don't think about it this way, but the freedom from rule and God's order and his, his rule in our lives, that actually results in slavery, the Bible says. It promises one thing and leads to another. Look at our next point, the slavery that we suffer under, and read Genesis 3, 22 to 24 together with me. And these are words that, that, that God now speaks to the man and the woman after they have chosen autonomy. After they have chosen not to be mastered by God's rule, but to express their freedom for themselves. And God speaks to them. He says, Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now, lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man. And at the east of the garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that churned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. What this is a picture of is the moment in time when humanity, as we rebelled against God, were separated from relationship with God. It's very important to see that because to live according to our purpose, to be free to do what is good, human beings must live in relationship with God. We must. It's the only way that we can do what's truly good in this world. See, we need to be in relationship with God for, for two different reasons to do good. One, because how do we know what good order actually is and what the good actually is apart from God showing us? See, we're all trying to figure out how to live life the best way. and We make tons of mistakes. It's kind of like trial and error, right? But, but God, our creator, he wants to instruct us in relationship with him by his words that we would learn to live according to his order to do good. Separated from God in relationship, we can't, we can't access that. We can't learn that. But also, separated from God in relationship, we can't be sustained and empowered by his presence for the work he made us for. The thing is, we have to have the engine of goodness powered by something in our lives. Have you guys tried to do good in your lives and gotten tired or given up? Or it's become so difficult and you've stopped? It's because we're made to, to be those that live according to our purpose in relationship with God, sustained and empowered by his presence. It's the same thing Jesus talked about when he said, unless you abide in the vine, live in relationship with me, you can't do any good works. It's not going to happen. It's not going to work. The engine to the car going down the highway gets pulled out and it rolls to a stop. 
So Adam and Eve now separated from relationship with God. They're separated both from the one who could teach them about what is good and how to live and from the one who could empower them to do what is good. They're separated from him. And this separation from God, it plunged them into slavery. Plunged them into a life not of doing what is good, but slavery to sin, which would increase disorder and increase suffering in this world. And actually, Paul compares this slavery that we experience separated from relationship with God with death. He calls it spiritual death. Unable to do what is good, held in slavery. And in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 3, Paul writes these words. Look at it with me. It says, You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. So notice, Paul's talking about a spiritual death that is a kind of slavery at three different levels. I'm going to show you that in these verses. Our slavery is deep, three levels deep, you might say. In verses 1 to 2, the first layer of slavery, because of our self-rule and separation from God and relationship, it's that we follow the course of this world. It's an interesting line, follow the course of this world. What it's talking about is the way that because we don't submit to God and live for him, we become slaves of serving others. Slaves of, of trying to earn the good opinion of others. Of trying to look good in our own communities. Um, Bob Dylan once said, you got to serve someone, right? So, so there's, there's freedom from God into being, we're just, we're just slaves in a different way. And we experience this, this slavery to the opinions of others because we look around constantly to others to see how we measure up to them. And, and all together, we kind of work and function in a way where we're following the course of the world, heading the wrong direction on the highway together. And we reinforce one another's bad behaviors. We say, you know what? That selfishness, that lust, that anger, that greed, that bitterness, it's justified. And we tell ourselves those kind of stories and all together go the wrong way, not towards what is good, but towards what is destructive. It's the first kind of slavery. And the second layer down, verse 2 says that in our sin we're slaves to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. What's it describing is that because we don't serve God, we become enslaved to the lies of other spiritual forces. We saw an example of this in Genesis chapter 3, right? When the serpent comes and, and asks Eve, did God really say? And starts to sow doubt. And Paul's now saying those same spiritual forces, that same enemies that work in our lives and apart from relationship with God, we're prone to believing those lies and say, did God really say that, that his order is good? I don't know. And we listen to it and we're trapped further in slavery, not to living what is good, but to living what isn't good. And then verse 3 says, in our sin, we're slaves to our desires, the third level, level of slavery. It says, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. And passions is an interesting word. It's the word that describes an inability to practice self-control. Right? It's an inability to, to order the desires in my life so I can delay gratification and, and achieve something that's better. Right? Have you guys watched a two-year-old? They live moment to moment gratifying their desires. 
And it's not good. And it's not good. In our own lives, too, as we become slaves to our desires, we might conceive of, of something good and wonderful to live for. It would be awesome to be generous and sacrificial. It would be awesome to be courageous and to stand for something. But when push comes to shove and given the choice between option A and option B, I'm going to go with the lesser desire that satisfies me right now. We become slaves of our desires and prevented from living fully into the good that God made us for. See, Ephesians 2, 1 to 3, it describes three levels of slavery because of our separation from God, which is because of our decision to rule ourselves. Slaves to go along with others, slaves to believe the lives of the enemy, and slaves to our desires. Christ City, I'm wondering, have you ever experienced slavery? Have you experienced, on your best days, imagining a life that would be so good? I could become this. I could live this way. I could do this. And, and you're, you're pumped up about it. But then when push comes to shove, you give in with the crowd and you listen to the deceptive voice of the enemy and you gratify your immediate desires and, and you're far, far, far away from the good that you imagined. Have you experienced that slavery? See, separated from God, we become slaves to sin. And if we're honest, we kind of love it. We kind of love it. We hate it and we love it. Because we're addicted to autonomy. We keep going back for more. Kind of like uh, McDonald's, right? It's stripped of all of its nutrition, but it's just so full of sugar and sodium. We go back for more. If you've been around me for long enough and we've drive, driven somewhere, you know that we'll stop at McDonald's for fries pretty frequently. Right? And, and we go back because, you know what? It just feels good. It's not good for us, but we're going to go with it. And what it results in is a disaster in this world, a corrupt human dominion full of suffering and selfishness and greed and lust, covetousness and evil and wickedness. And it makes us, every one of us, profoundly unhappy. And how could it not? And how could it not? You see, our, our Western view of, of freedom from, in order to be autonomous for myself, for my own rule, it has you at the center. It has you at the center. This view of freedom requires you to live every moment of your life thinking about you. About my desires. What I want. What others think about my desires. And if they're helping and supporting me or not. And it puts ourselves in this profoundly centered way that leaves us bruised and anxious, delicate, vulnerable, miserable, and unhappy. It's a brutal, brutal way to live. It's literally the psychological recipe for a life of misery. Because <laughs> we're not created to live for ourselves, Christ City. We're created to live in worshipful obedience to God who made us as we do good and serve others. That's what you were made for. And the individuality of this world and that freedom for life my way, it's only going to hurt you. See, Christ City, God made us for freedom. But in our self-rule, we become slaves to sin. But God is not the kind of God who promises us freedom and talks about freedom just to tease us. Kind of like that, that coach, uh, maybe she's coaching middle school students, and she holds out Olympic times in track and field and says, well, you're not going to make it, too bad. 
God doesn't do that. God holds out the beauty of the freedom that he made us for because he's a God that wants to save us, that wants to help us to grow into the freedom that he made us for. And that's what he's done for us by sending Jesus. So look then at our third point, our last point, freedom that is in Jesus, and listen to what Jesus has done for us. And hear his words again in John 8, 34 to 36. See, Jesus answered them. He said, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. You got to serve someone. He says, the slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, if Jesus sets you free, you will be free indeed. No matter where you're at this morning, there's hope for you. If you've been a Christian for a long time and and you're kind of struggling with your own sin, there's hope for you in Jesus to repent and to turn to him. If you're not a Christian this morning, you're wondering, what is a good life I'm made for? There's hope in Jesus. If the Son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. See, Jesus came to do such a powerful work of freedom in our hearts that we'd be freed forever from every bond of slavery that Paul talked about in Ephesians chapter 2. Freed from going with the flow of our culture. Freed from the lies of Satan. Freed from slavery to our sinful passions. This is the work that Jesus came to do. And this freedom is so profound because Jesus came to mend the root of our slavery. And what's at the root of our slavery? We've talked about this a lot. The root of our slavery is our separation from God. Jesus came to fix that problem. He came to reconcile us to God. You see, Jesus, he came to earth and he died on the cross in our place and for our sins. And he did it to pay the penalty that that our sin deserved before a holy God. So we could be forgiven. So that the guilt and the stain and the shame of our sin could be washed away by the blood of Jesus. And because of his sacrifice, because of his forgiveness and his cleansing, we can be reconciled back into relationship with God. Reconciliation is a big word. I like to illustrate it for my children with a hug. Right? Because when we're at enmity with one another, we can't be in relationship. But through Jesus, now that we're forgiven, now that our sin is atoned for, God draws us in. And we're reconciled back in relationship. See, Colossians chapter 1, verse 20, talks about the way that Jesus reconciles all things to himself, making peace by the blood of his cross. No longer cast out of his presence, not of the garden, but welcomed in intimately. You know what, Christ City? This is an intimacy that's deeper than Adam and Eve had with God in the garden. See, Jesus didn't just come to restore us and to have us walk in relationship with God in the garden, to dwell with him in the garden. Jesus came so that God himself would dwell within us. A deep and a powerful reconciliation in relationship by the Holy Spirit. See, Paul wrote in Romans chapter 8, verse 11, he said this, If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. See, here's what's going on. God takes us who are spiritually dead, slaves to sin, separated from him in relationship, and he takes himself, his Holy Spirit, We have one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus comes and he dwells within us so that we become spiritually alive. 
Christ City, this is why salvation is a miracle. It's a miracle from death to life. The Bible calls it new birth. It's so radical. It's like being born a second time as a brand new human being. The Bible uses another word. It's called regeneration, to regenerate what was broken and dead and had no life and to fill it with life because God came to dwell in us. God came to change me. God came to deal with the way that I love my sin, that I have a palate for sin, that I love the taste and the smell of sin and of a self-rule and of doing things my way and to free me from all of that into the good dominion that I was created for. He came with the Holy Spirit to give me a new appetite, to give you a new appetite so that you would love what is good and beautiful and true. I'm wondering, have you ever acquired a new taste I remember hating coffee. And then suddenly in seminary, when I was up all night studying, I first endured coffee. And then I loved coffee. <laughs> and I, delight, I delight in the smell of coffee. I, I smell it coming down the hallway and I want coffee. Right? Acquiring a new taste. See, when someone's born again with the power of the Holy Spirit, with their faith in Jesus, it's like acquiring a new taste. Sin starts to taste gross. All those things I used to love, I hate them now. And all those things I used to hate, God, his word, his church, the Bible, obedience, I start to love those things. I can't explain it. This is a pretty radical change in my appetites, in my deepest desires. Not a change like loving opera music or country music when you used to hate it, but a change of now I love holiness. I love righteousness. I love all the things of God where I used to hate them. And that change of appetite, it begins to make us truly and profoundly free. The laws and the harmony of order, of music, starts to be written on our hearts. So we approach the piano of God's world and his creation, and we play effortlessly from hearts that have been tuned to him. Look at Romans 6, 17 to 18. Paul says, But thanks be to God that you who once were slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart. You notice that? Obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. Not just having to obey, desiring and loving to obey. And having been set free from sin, you become slaves of righteousness. See, the, the freedom that's in Jesus can be called slavery because it's a freedom that changes us so profoundly that now we want to do what is good. Now we have a whole different architecture and reality of what's going down in our hearts and we are ordered towards what is truly and wonderfully good in Jesus. And that makes us free. Free to do what God made us for. Free to create what is true and beautiful and good. Free to expand dominion for his glory. Free for good works. Paul said in Ephesians 2 verse 10, For we are his workmanship, God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. The good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So Christ City, which do you think is a better freedom. 
which to you looks this morning like the better freedom? The freedom for autonomy, the freedom from God's order to do things your way? Or the freedom from sin that's made alive by the Holy Spirit so that we can effortlessly work towards what is good and beautiful for the glory of God? Do you see the difference? See, the reality is that freedom from God to have autonomy to autonomy to rule ourselves, it does make us miserable. So I want to ask you, it's my wife's favorite question. It's a good question I'd like to ask it to you. Are you sick of yourself yet? Have you been living for yourself so long and so unhappily that you're starting to see there's got to be a better way? This morning, there's a better way for you. And the best thing that you could possibly do is to surrender your autonomy to be ruled by Jesus. It's the best thing in the whole world you could do. The best thing you could do would would be to ask him to save you, to do a work by the power of his Holy Spirit in you, to fill you with his Holy Spirit, to give you a new appetite. See, when you call on Jesus, he will forgive you. He will reconcile you to God and he will fill you with his Holy Spirit. And if you've never done that, today's the day. Don't delay. Come before him. Come ask him. It's time to submit to God to be saved by Jesus and freed by him to do some good. And this is how I want to end our series on the goodness of being human. Christ City, you were made in the image and the likeness of God for good dominion in this world. You've been set free from sin. You've been made alive in Jesus. And that means that right this moment and into next week and into the rest of your life, you have an enormous opportunity to do something in this world for him. Just enormous. I mean, you're not going to change the world by yourself, but you can impact this world for the glory of God and in his kingdom in a way that he made you for, in a way that nobody else here can. The question is, what will you choose to do? Will you choose to to walk in the freedom that Jesus has saved you for, that God has created you for, to glorify him, to extend that dominion? Or will you walk in a way that's for yourself, for your own selfishness and for your own sin? Christy, we are profoundly selfish in our culture. And it's time for us to reckon with that, to realize how unhappy it's making us, and to turn towards God and surrender to serve him. Can I pray for you? Father, I pray not just for this congregation, pray for us, Lord, because we still live in the course of this world. We're surrounded and in, in living in and immersed in a, a world whose lies we often believe. The lies of the enemy against us, Lord, appealing to our fleshly desires, And Lord, making us choose not your ways, but our own ways. And we confess that to you and and we ask, would you do something profound in us this morning by your Holy Spirit? Lord, we want freedom. We want life, the glory of Jesus. We want to make an impact here for you. Lord, would you open our eyes just to see the opportunity that's before us and to trust you that by your Holy Spirit you can and you will faithfully do this good work in us because you've promised that you would. 
Lord, I pray for those that have not yet become Christians. Lord, would you cause a sermon like this one and, and the, the words of your gospel to stick in their minds and their hearts? Lord, until you call them and draw them to make a decision for you, to, to get on their knees and confess how they've rebelled against you and to cry out to you for salvation because you want them to be truly free. If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. We praise you, Jesus. Amen.